0: Welcome to the Beyond 3D podcast, where we explore all things 3D and the important role that 3D data plays throughout the manufacturing process, driving decisions throughout a product's life cycle. Here, we talk with industry analysts, business owners, developers, and industry influencers, and hear real stories that you can relate to and learn from, and know which trends and technologies apply to your business. So join us as we go Beyond 3D.
1: we could start with is just kind of a quick round robin introductions of yourself your company what your company does basically maybe where you're located and also what stage you're in whether you're kind of pre pre-launch or pre-revenue or you know what stage of investment that could be helpful for people's perspectives so i'll go first since since everyone knows me already i'm ron fritz ceo and i'll be hosting a ceo of techsoft 3d and i'll be hosting this Beyond 3D Roundtable with all of these experts in the challenges of being in the startup phase during a pandemic. And I'm sure your experiences are, will be somewhat similar, but but varied as well, depending on a number of factors. Um, how about yourself, Suzanne?
2: Yeah, I'm Susan. I'm from Hololight. I'm one of the four co-founders of Hololight. We are based in Austria and in Germany. And we are doing um, AR and VR technology. So we're basically offer- offering a remote rendering SDK, which enables AR and VR applications to be remotely rendered. And we are currently just starting to raise our Series B round.
1: Mm-hmm. How about you, Santiago? Uh, hey, yeah, I'm Santiago. I'm co
3: founder, um, together with another person of Elan uh, Dynamics. We're basically doing industrial metrology automation so whatever is car manufacturing or aerospace um, they need quality quality process controls and we basically provide that with offline simulation of robotics turntables etc offline simulation of sensors and enable them to basically plan all their processes and optimize their processes remotely and then directly drive it and yeah we're currently uh, in our launch phase and
4: pre-revenue but we hope uh, we're gonna get there soon
1: got it um how about you henry
4: um hi guys really uh, good to be here thanks a lot for the invite ron so i'm henry uh Uyeme. i'm the founder and ceo of Intrida. so we're coming at you know giving our solutions on a very different angle so our target is actually the energy sector especially chemicals oil and gas uh, and we're working on a platform that will allow the stakeholders of projects in these industries to be able to have access and interaction with their technical data, irrespective of what that data is. So 3D models, simulation information, you know, 2D schematics, um, 1D relational databases, uh, documentation and all that uh, on a single platform. Uh, so as they can review the data, uh, they can run uh, validations and analysis. So validations here include running direct comparisons between different data types. So say a 3D plant model and uh, an engineering drawing or a data sheet and uh, a 3D plant model. So the system should identify where discrepancies inconsistencies, and, and errors lie. Uh, and finally, so uh, the platform support sharing and collaboration, especially in an industry where collaboration is a very foreign word uh, to them. Um, so we're currently in uh, pre-revenue um, and we are now targeting to you know, hopefully launch the product maybe in the next um, six months. So I'm happy to share information about our journey afterwards.
1: You're located in the Cambridge, UK area, is that right?
4: Yeah, so Cambridge, UK is home, and uh, just before COVID shut the world down, we had just uh, launched a Houston base. So uh, we also have a, a representation there, but currently I'm actually shacked up in Hungary, so uh-huh. I'm not too far from Susan. <laughs> um, so I've got friends and family here, and it's a much safer, easier place to be, and I don't need to worry about food
1: and all that, so. Yeah, <laughs> good idea. How about you, Hilmar?
5: So I'm Hilmar, I'm the founder and CEO of Arceo. Um, Arceo is a collaborative design tool for architecture. Uh, It enables designers and the clients to work together in a shared virtual space, uh, sketch new ideas, explore design concepts, and it works across VR headsets, uh, mobile devices, uh, desktop PCs. We are in an open beta phase, and will be going live commercially um, in the next six months. And we are located in Iceland, Germany, Greece, and the Netherlands.
1: Got it. So perfect. Other than me, no other Americans. So that's good. Uh, <laughs> so we'll get we'll we'll get a more calm perspective. Everything won't be awesome. We have a there's constant. We our biggest offices in France, and they constantly joke about when they talk to Americans. Like everything is awesome. We're the best, and the be- and the greatest. You can get out of a French person is papa. Yeah, if you land a million dollar contract, palm Uh So there's surely lots of challenges. Of there's lots of challenges starting a company up. Period, and some unique ones when you're in that in that early phase during COVID that people are still wrapping their heads around. There's challenges probably related to establishing your culture and hiring and how you sell or how you whiteboard and plan between your team. Or how to, you know getting funding is probably harder. You can't get face to face. Let's start with culture. So culture is really critical at the early stage. It's one of the things that you know, I'm obsessed about and, and we're obsessed about. And it's really important at the early stage to establish like, who are we and, and what do we want this workplace to be like? I'm interested to hear people's experiences of, you know, what was especially hard about that during the pandemic and what kind of special things did you try and do to have to establish what the culture is and have it take root if anything, or maybe it's just me that obsesses about this, so that's that's okay too. Uh,
3: I think you're pretty right about culture. I think it's very important to build and, and form a team. So um, pre-corona, what we usually tended to do in my old teams is we had like every two, three months, we all came together and had meetings. And this was also like after work um, which actually builds up a team. And corona made all of this much, much, much harder, let's say, because you cannot meet um, or it's much harder to actually meet in person. But what we started doing is uh, we have weekly meetings uh, with the whole company where everybody comes together, such that everybody's updated about what the others are doing, and just like a little come together, where we actually talk about things and also can joke around in a um, like like this in a team's meeting, and where everybody has camera on, such that everybody sees each other basically. Mm-hmm. That's what we try to do.
2: What we did during the first lockdown very strongly when everybody was in home office. We, for example, had our weekly health check updates, where we just would ask everybody in the group, hey, are you okay, is your family fine? Any problems. Um, as in Germany, toilet paper was one of the most <laughs> bought things. The fun question every time was, How's your toilet paper status? Just to get <laughs> some humor in it. And we kind of established this weekly update so everybody would just call in and say, Hi, I'm fine. I have five rows of toilet paper. <laughs> everything good, a bit lonely, and just Engage, um, encourage people to stay in contact with each other, to meet up online for computer, game, computer games, or just share their uh, recipe for their lunch, to just have some group feeling still.
5: Mm-hmm. For How us at um mm-hmm. we yeah, basically have been a remote first company from the, the very start. And going to COVID uh, wasn't uh, a big change for us in that regard, But obviously when you're a remote first company, you know, communications is very important, kind of regular standups, sharing kind of all the details of what's going on in the business, not just from a development point of view, but also business and marketing point of view. And I'm actually amazed how, how well it has been going in many ways, because over the last two years, uh, the entire team has only one spin together because we also so spread. And obviously, had COVID not hit last year, we would have gotten together at the beginning of last year. Uh, we did that virtually instead. And one of the main things that that uh, is, I think, important is just to keep also the team focused and just seeing that we are continuing to deliver and like hitting milestones and you know making people feel good about the work they're doing. You know, it's completely remote.
1: Hmm. How about on your side, Henry?
4: It's been a mixed bag for us, actually. Um, so very similar to Hilmar there. Prior to COVID, we were, uh, we are a, a remote first company. Um, and I'm sure, if you know, this one, I was a digital nomad, actually. Yeah. So, <laughs> very much so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I pretty much uh, bummed around the world, you know, because our business strategy was quite different, as, as, as you understand. Because we're talking a lot to a lot of companies and, and customers. Um, so, but one thing my team did do, and, and just to clarify, my team are actually spread around the world. So we've got people in China, Malaysia, in Peru, uh, California, in the UK, of course. Got people, my CTO is in Slovakia, she's in Bratislava. Uh, we've got insurance in Cambridge, we've got people in Kuala Lumpur. So we're just, you know, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we actually did make an effort to you know, get together in different either potential customer sites or exhibitions and conferences. So the, the last show we did was we given the, uh, an exhibition at the Startup Grind conference in uh, Redwood City so we were, we were there when we were hearing the rumor of this thing called COVID spreading around like wildfire and I remember like being the only person you know who had a hand sanitizer in, you know <laughs> so I was just doing it out like a gift to everyone but but yeah I mean we, we haven't really suffered much you know, from having to work remotely so we just enhanced the tools we used uh, but mm-hmm. we've struggled from not being able to be out there engaging with people and talking to organizations like
1: we did previously. How about on the hiring front? So, you know, we, on our side at Techsoft 3D, we paused hiring for a little bit while we gauged, okay, what's going to be the impact of of this. And then once we felt comfortable about our ability to predict, we opened hiring back up and surprisingly, we've actually had good success. I guess time will tell, but good success of hiring people that seem to be really good, good fit. And we're much more open to people in remote locations than, than we were before. But I'm interested to hear other people's experience about hiring and whether you think there were benefits to to not being able to meet in person, or was it a, a detriment? And like after after COVID, are there some things you would keep, some habits you'd keep that you started? Um, Susan, did you did you all do any? You must have done some hiring over the last year or so. <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, of course. Um, as we closed our series A round, just perfect timing two months before COVID, we were directly in the middle of our hiring phase when everything started to get in lockdown. So we paused at that time completely to take a step back and see what's happening. We didn't get back into that intense hiring session, uh, phase until now, so we were still very careful. Um, has the good luck that uh, we signed the office contract directly before COVID. So now we have a lot of space and don't have problem when people are in the office. Um, but what we experienced from hiring during COVID is that uh, a lot of people are willing to look for new possibilities as they want to uh, develop. And we got to know a lot of people who have very high potential, which we usually, I think, we wouldn't have a chance to hire. But we now got a very, got very good talents. Uh, so for us in hiring perspective, even though we stopped and slowed down a lot, um, we got a very good, a few very good people here.
1: Mm-hmm. Santiago, did you? Uh, what, what's been your experience? Oh, we
3: basically completely stopped hirings since COVID um, because we're mostly self-funded, and we actually had one person but it's basically working on getting shares of the company basis um
1: yeah so we completely I haven't started. had to really deal, deal with it yeah. yeah is that similar for you for you henry in this phase you cast a wide net you, you hire from all corners of the, are you trying to get anyone in antarctica so that you um, can really complete the cycle. Couple
4: penguins we'd interviewed <laughs> didn't, 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 didn't get back. <laughs> yeah, hiring for us has been quite tricky because we're looking for people who you know understood the space marine and who are mm. passionate about what we're trying to do. Um, at least on this in the early stage. Um so it doesn't matter what part of the world you are in, if you think you have the, the knowledge, the interest, the passion, you know, we're happy to uh, get them board. So Covid didn't really I wouldn't say it really affected how we got people on the team. Uh, in fact, we've had two additional individuals uh, join us, but it made it a little difficult. So we lost people from the team, actually, courtesy of COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we lost two people. We gained two people um, as well. So uh, and, and And the loss was due to people needing to focus on other areas uh, or take care of family members and things like that.
0: But mm. well, we haven't been
4: adversely affected
1: by uh, hiring freeze. All right, you Elmar, what's your experience been on, on that?
5: So we basically had kept more or less the same stuff during COVID. Uh, we all sat, uh, I think, for the next few months, and then we'll start to add some more people later this year. But uh, in, in general, I would say our experience has been similar to, uh, to Henry's, that we don't really look at location when you look for people and have never done, you know, we're looking for some very specialized talent that kind of understands kind of the ins and outs of the AEC space and kind of development front, uh, working with some kind of advanced tools and so on. And uh, maybe it's because we're in Iceland or we started here. Uh, We have to kind of look pretty broadly for that type of experience because we don't have a big talent pool here. So uh, I think going forward, we will kind of keep that. And my philosophy basically is that it's better to find the right talent, even though it's not like physically located in the same place, instead of finding somebody that's not as good, that is physically located in the same place.
1: Yeah, I think that we, Techsoft, like a lot of companies, has gotten much, That a lot of companies that didn't start off as remote first, much more open to that. Idea. I think we had a lot of managers who had not really managed people who were remote before. And so as they're doing their hiring, had a strong, strong bias for people who were near to them and could work from the office. But now that they're comfortable with it, they've seen, they've seen that it works well. And that, as you say, we can get a lot more diversity of potential talent that way. We also found also that our when we, started moving on hiring, we moved a lot faster in the virtual world than in the in-person world. It used to be that you try really hard to get face-to-face with them. Yeah. So maybe you'd fly them to your office, but it had to be during a time when the critical people to interview them happened to all be there and no one was traveling to a customer site or uh, you know the coordination and believing that the in-person was so critical really slowed things down. But now that there's no such thing as a first-tier interview in person and a second-tier Sort of less good interview, virtually things that we've been able to move much much faster with with get getting through hires and choosing people. What else is have you found challenging due to COVID? Is it you know kind of well Henry mentioned getting face to face with customers is pretty critical, especially at the definition phase. But So that funding, you know, what else? What comes to mind for people as as particular challenges?
6: Well, so. What I, what I noticed is that in the car industry specifically, um, they're very, very careful with invests right now. So if you wanna launch a new project, you have to convince them over a long time. It takes many more meetings. You have to actually go there, showcase the software, showcase it together with the hardware, uh, really demonstrate that you can do it. Where before this was way, way easier because they're just more careful with invests at this point point. Um, mm. and together with COVID, it doesn't make it easier because to do all of this benchmarking in front of them, you actually have to be there. But mm. what happened is that they closed down factories and they couldn't really go there. <laughs> so the combination of all of this um, made it kind of hard to get new customers. On the other side, they're a lot more open to actually um, having online demonstrations. They're, they're more, they're actually really starting to use online tools like Zoom and Teams, where before you had a lot of, let's say, older people that weren't very keen to do that. And you actually had to go in front of them and talk in person to them. They're much more open to that right now. So that's a bit the switch you see in these big companies, at least from my perspective.
1: How about you, Susan? What have you experienced, Susan?
2: Especially from sales side, what we are currently still uh, experiencing a lot is that important people who are needed for the decision are either in short term work, so they are hardly uh, reachable, Hmm. or uh, people are not available at all at, at the moment as they're in home office or completely not available. So our sales cycles are way longer currently than we are used to in some customers because people already said yes, but the paperwork is lying on some desk. Right. And it's waiting there for time to pass.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I was going to add to that. So I think
4: we we experience exactly what Santiago and yes. Susan also went through. Um, so from from that perspective of uh, Prior to COVID hitting off, so our you know startup strategy was, as you know, run quite different, where we we're doing a customer first approach. So we wanted to speak to quite a lot of companies. We wanted to get a lot of feedback from them and you know get some people on board prior to going through the proof of concept, MVP, and beta and all that. So although our platform is supposed to be a horizontal one, uh, but we kicked it off by targeting the energy vertical, so oil and gas chemicals and all that. So those are the faults we were pretty much speaking to the whole time. Uh, and as you guys know, when this COVID shot happened, the first industry that was hit really, really hard was energy, especially the chemical sector. And you know, uh, in fact we had the West Texan crude price went into negative where they were actually paying you to take oil off their hands, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, it was really that crazy and it affected a lot of these companies. uh, Not that they didn't have the resources, but everyone went into this shock where they pretty much froze all projects and froze Mm -hmm. all contracts and all that. So, we were just this, you know, lowly startup there wondering, you know, where are all those guys who were drinking beer with, you know. Mm -hmm. So, one very painful one, and this is a personal one to me anyway, was um, so I'd spent almost two months in, in Houston prior to COVID hitting. Uh, um, we arranged you know, uh, well laid out meetings. So we had a meeting scheduled with the head of Shell Ventures, who was actually really interested in what we were doing. We had Mobile on board. We had ABB, Bechtel, and all that. And when the first shock wave of COVID went, all these meetings were getting canceled, and you know, from being suspended to getting canceled, and all that, and it was yeah, that was really devastating. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I mean, we had to adapt really quickly because, um, for a number of companies, we've given out contracts for pilot projects. Uh, so I remember we handed out over 11 different contracts to different companies. Uh, I think we only got one back and the rest was just lying on people's desks and either they're not at the office or they did lost their jobs or you know, there was always a story around it. So, But but yeah, that that was our experience.
1: So. Hmm. How about you, Hilmar?
5: So, similar in many ways, during the first kind of part of COVID, uh, what we found is that uh, the people we are working with that are testing uh, RQ. You know, they basically, everything ground to a halt. Everybody kind of went to their home office. And the first, you know, four, five, even six months, people just spent trying to make sure their businesses could operate, that they could run their business. Like, how do you do that when all of a sudden everybody just goes home? Like, you need hardware to do that. In our case, you know, the, the VR headsets that kind of we were using or people are using, you know, they just got left at the office. Like, people just mm. went back home and they just had a laptop or or a phone. Yeah, so like uh, Mount Vesuvius
1: exploded and they all just disappeared. Right? Exactly. A <laughs> <Remnants everywhere. laughs> coffee cup on their desk.
5: Yeah. So, so that was a bit of a challenge to be honest. Um, but, but then what happened kind of after this initial period is that, you know, there's this renewed focus on what, how do we actually work together now that we have the base operation kind of stable. And uh, now this renewed, obviously interest and emphasis on collaboration tools Uh, everybody's figuring out how to be more productive when people are working remotely and clients are remote. And there's also a new kind of wave of of hardware now in the market that's kind of more uh, mobile, uh, cheaper to get than before. So if anything, kind of uh, COVID has just accelerated kind of the the need for, you know, solutions like we are working on. Uh But but the, the first kind of six months were definitely, you know, there was a big shockwave and, you know, we could definitely feel that like everybody else
1: there's there's one uh, we've since we work with so many companies you know we've heard a lot of stories about where how covid has hurt sales but also sometimes how it's helped sales there's a company we a US based company we work with called ProPlanner that makes uh, a PLM system for manufacturing that's sort of got elements of the MES system and they 3D virtual assemblies and their founder was was telling me in a, a another meeting that they actually won some contracts in in Germany that they never would have been able to win outside of COVID time. Because typically that German auto manufacturer would expect you to visit five or six times with big teams of people and that they would have had no hope against competing against really the big guys in, in the PLM space. But because they were no one was able to visit they were all really on equal footing and it was really just more about is, what's the best product. And they found that they actually were, that that scenario was helping them. Interestingly, So if you were, let, let's say some time has gone by now. So let's say t- t- 10 years, enough time to give you some perspective, but also not so much time that you've completely forgotten that you're so old that you forgot everything that happened. And there's rumors of another COVID that may be coming there's some there's some people you know who are who are in the startup phase, and they say you've you've been through this before. Like what ad, what what advice would you give us kind of moving into this phase? Anybody have a, any thoughts on that? If you were, if you could go, yeah go back and advise yourself even, <laughs> or advise someone else that might be heading into a situation like this.
4: If I may, um, I so from the. Covid situation that brings an advantageous point for us as a startup. Uh, again, we had a very interesting strategy, which was we didn't go for any fundraise earlier. We did a customer first approach. We wanted to be, you know, triple sure about what we were working on. So that meant speaking to lots of people all over the world. So when the first covid shock came, of course, everyone went underground for a while, um, but there was one country that actually didn't go underground as everyone else did, and that's China. Mm. So uh, I remember so prior to the whole thing that kicking off, um, I'd flown mm-hmm. from you know, San Francisco up to China because it was a why not thing. I think I remember having a chat with you um, where I did a big research. So I just went for research just to understand how they work and what kind of market it is. Yeah. And I ended up visiting... Two more times. Uh, so I was there in the December when COVID kicked off. So back then, uh, in Beijing, they were they were talking about a, a weird kind of flu going around in the countryside, which turned out to be COVID. But what they talked about then was, oh, it's every year we have some strange flu that just pops up somewhere. And it's nothing to worry about, you know. <laughs> and uh, you know, innocently didn't even think much about it. And then you know, returned back to the states, and then yeah, the world shut down. But And this is coming to your question about what advice to give to myself. So the world shut down and we lost deals, lost contracts, lost friends, lost family, all that stuff happened. But slowly uh, we started getting a lot of interest from that side of the world, uh, because when we went out there, we pitched to them and we demoed and all that, Uh, we sort of trended in the cities that that I went to and their interest started to grow. So they started looking for more collaborative ways of doing things, which wasn't a very you know normal thing out there in China, especially in the engineering and technical um, space. Um, so we started speaking to a lot of companies there, and that conversation now started leading to more conversations, uh, which I think we've now converted at least three of those conver- uh, conversations into actual contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now it's business as usual over there you know they're they're going out to parties and concerts and diners and you know it's just normal life for them so they picked up uh, technologically speaking and they're now aware that the world needs them it's a very clear thing and they're also anticipating a massive um, a massive burst of orders coming from China. So when people start going around the world again, China will have to supply the world with everything they supply. So the advice I'm going to give to myself will be uh, to maintain and harness these relationships because you just never know. Um, so if we had if we had been keeping this, the, the, the typical startup fear of China will steal your idea and you know only deal with your home market. I think we would have shut down by now as a startup Mm -hmm. if I'm being really honest about it. But that fact that what turned into a very innocent research and of course, eat free Chinese food in China actually morphed into conversations and interests and then a a wide um, business opportunity. I think, um, I won't say it was a spur of intelligence, but I think it's something we're ripping off. So that advice would be to Harness relationships, focus on what I term enterprise transformation rather than so called digital transformation alone. So, what that means is adopting everything that can make our work and customer work easier. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and yeah, just exploring all avenues. That's the sort of advice I'll probably give to myself.
1: Got it. That's an interesting phrase, like a burst of intelligence, because very often, Good good luck. In retrospects, looks looks like lots of something really smart. I've I've been credited with lots of smart things that I don't deserve. For sure, just 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 if you just stay in the game long enough, sometimes you get lucky. Uh, how about you, Hilmar? What what advice would you give to somebody as they're facing they're like oh shit, there might be another pa- pandemic coming?
5: So, I would say that you know my advice to be you know mindful about creating a resilient organization and that can mean several things it can mean from a like a funding point of view client-based point of view you know leads Culture is an important part of that things like not being completely locked into people having to work physically together is one part of being resilient and more flexibility so I think it's just important in general to you know as somebody said only the paranoid survive Uh, you know you need to kind of no, you know shit can happen. Mm-hmm. But but the other kind of the flip side of that is also to to have faith in how resilient people in general are. I mean, we will get through this COVID situation. Businesses will get through this. You know, vaccines will be developed. There will be markets. So you know, don't don't panic would be the okay. the other one.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. How about you, Santiago?
6: Well, I probably would say to myself that you should rather see this as an opportunity instead of a drawback um, because there is a lot of opportunity in the whole crisis. So what we noticed is that our competition, for example, um, slowed down a lot because they had problems. They were not ready for digitalization and this makes us way more flexible and we can actually approach customers in another way and adapt to their needs. and. Just by flexibly reacting to new challenges, um, this puts us in a better place and actually makes us faster than our competition. So you can actually see the whole crisis as an opportunity if you regard it from a different perspective. I would, I would guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that makes that, that makes sense. I'm writing all this down in case I start something up in advance of the next <laughs> pandemic. How about you, Susan? What's your what, what's your advice to future entrepreneurship? This.
2: I think I would give myself at that time two different advice uh, on the one side to think out of the box and to be not afraid to think different. As we started into COVID, we had one product at that time. And as it was targeted in engineering industry and producing, it was just exactly these people who were in lockdown so we figured out to separate our remote rendering technology out of that product and figured out a whole new market for us which is now helping us to set up uh, way new traction and bigger potential than we ever had and on the other side um, what we experienced until now is always these phases where we had the feeling that everything would crash and we were basically just working and we had the feeling you finished 10 mails when another 100 came in in the same moment these were always the worst phases of work because you were basically just running through but these were always the phases where the company afterwards was better positioned than ever before so it always came out something good in the end and I just think the faith in that is essential to not get crazy in that time
1: right yeah there's always something that you can learn or something positive that'll come of it or some opportunity as Santiago Santiago mentioned so um any any final thoughts from anybody anybody that anything that's kind of on your mind that we didn't cover that you think is worth worth mentioning or sharing with the group before we wrap up anything from you Hilmar
5: I just, uh, I think it'll be really interesting to see how all of this will impact, you know, the future of work in general.
4: Mm-hmm. And
5: uh, obviously that's something that we are heavily kind of focused on, like how will people want to work together and collaborate? And, uh, it, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see once COVID kind of, ends, if you go back to where we were before, or will something really have changed? Like, will people learn anything from kind of what happened uh, or not? And I, for one, am a big believer that, you know, there will be uh, a lot of change. Like some of the, these things will stick with us. But that's kind of what I'm looking forward to see in the next, you know, five years. Mm-hmm. What's going to be the outcome yeah. of us.
1: How about you, Henry? Any
5: final thoughts?
4: Um, yeah, I think very similar to what Henry mentioned. Yeah, it's just uh, really curious to see how the world will react uh, post-COVID. So i'd mentioned you know china earlier if it's anything to use as a benchmark it's business as usual over there nothing changed mm-hmm. <laughs> people just wear more masks i guess you know dealing with what the current challenge is but one thing that i' want to um, point out when I mean, is uh the issue of mental health um, a lot of people got affected by this in different ways um so startups as well so being part of a founding team or part of a startup, you know, there was always that fear and concern. And so a lot of startups, the ones that failed or that's gone out of business, you know, it's very easy for founders to take it as a personal loss, mm-hmm. and that can go on to affect yeah. them mentally. You know, so yeah. So I'm um, I'm hoping that you know, however this goes, if the COVID situation winds down or you know, extent uh, drags on if there could be certain kinds of uh, forums that can help address, you know, how people feel, you know, people who are going into technology and things like that, you know, how uh, where they can, you know, voice themselves and understand that it's not a thing that they're stuck in alone and you know, people can easily communicate. But, but yeah, I think there should be a little more awareness to uh, mental health challenges that, startups up selling too. And this is just hanging on to what Susan mentioned as well. So one email is gone and a hundred more emails coming. So all sort of pressures really can do something to the human body, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Santiago, any final thoughts?
3: Yeah, no, I'm similar to Omar. Uh, I think it's gonna be interesting to see what comes out of this whole crisis. I hope we're gonna to trend towards more digitalization where everybody accepts that you don't always have to fly to the customer sites and be there and present because a lot of those meetings were useless in my opinion before. Uh So I hope this is gonna stick and that we're gonna find new ways um, to collaborate through that crisis and that it's gonna stick and actually changes the mindset of people. Um, Just like another perspective, maybe from the States, what I would wish um, for the future is, what I noticed is um, the whole Corona help from Switzerland um it was always very targeted to existing businesses and they completely forgot about startups and uh-huh. that they would need support as well. And then funding is harder um, because uh-huh. you cannot really present any revenue and this basically disqualified you for any of the of the help from the state. So this was like I felt a little bit lost in that from um, Switzerland, let's say.
1: Yeah. That's a good point. Susan, how about you? Get the final word and tell me, then I get the final final word, but, but you get the almost final word.
2: Um yeah, basically a very dif- same view as before. Um also mental health, definitely a big point here too. And also the situation of startups in Germany, it's not that different than Austria, unfortunately. You mm-hmm. need, I think, five years of positive revenues, huh. which basically is not working for a startup, huh. but um, I think A lot of people found a way to somehow deal with it and fight through that episode. So I'm really confident that things will change to a good way. And I'm also hoping that we don't have to fly to every single meeting anymore. But I'm still really looking forward to sit on the table with people again.
1: not (laughs) sitting lonely
2: in the meeting rooms anymore.
1: At least sometimes. (laughs) Not all the time, but sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Well, to circle all the way back around to what I was saying in the beginning, that wasn't to use an American phrase. That was an awesome conversation. And uh, I hope everybody got some good stuff out of it. Good luck to everyone with your product development, with landing new customers and growing revenue, with building your teams and your cultures and getting funding and all the all the fun stuff that's involved. and hopefully somehow this conversation could help at least with your mental health, if nothing else. Awesome. Thank thanks have a, have a, thanks for joining you. everybody. Take care. Thanks very much guys. Thank Bye. You. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Beyond 3D podcast hosted by Techsoft 3D. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review or subscribe on SoundCloud. To listen to past episodes or learn more about Techsoft 3D, visit www.techsoft3d.com forward slash blog. Send us comments and suggestions at info at techsoft3d.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again on the next episode of Beyond 3D.